I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome. Happy New Year to all of you listeners. La Liga is back in 2022 and we have a dramatic match day to recap. I'm in the company of Rory Barlow once again. How are you, Rory? Did you have a good Christmas? I did have a good Christmas. It was a a lovely, relaxed, festive period, I have to say. But it was great to get back into the drama, as you say, of La Liga, which always expect the unexpected. I think there, there was very few games that went exactly how I expected them to go this week. Well, tantalisingly so, absolutely. There's only one place to start, though, and that has to be at the Coliseum Alfonso Pérez, where Hitafe, who started the season with seven defeats, remember, have gone on to beat the league leaders. So let's hear all about that with Hitafe fan Dom Tancock. Quiere meter el balón a Unal, dice el colegiado como nada, cuidado militar, le roba Unal, chuta Unal, gol, 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 error tremendo de militar que se para. Error tremendo de Militao que ahora se santigua. Estafe 1, Real Madrid 0. I'm joined by Dorset Dom from Twitter, our sort of resident Hitafe fan. And uh, well, what a weekend it's been for Hitafe and what a few weeks it's been for Hitafe after a stunning 1 0 victory in a Madrid derby against uh, Real Madrid, against the biggest of the lot. I have to say, the Coliseum has sometimes come under criticism for not having the the best atmosphere, but it was absolutely rocking um, as they beat Real Madrid. Tell me kind of your thoughts on the game and, and just what it was like to see the Los Azulones getting on like that. Yeah, it was um, it was fantastic actually, and I was so delighted for uh, for the supporters um, who have obviously been through some tough times this season um, and uh, yeah it was absolutely bouncing and, and there's always behind the goal there's always been real good support for the team and um, there was a couple of issues I know earlier on in the season when it looked like the, the team had lost their way massively um, and the players came up to the supporters so this was kind of redemption for want of a better word this performance mm-hmm. and um, the, the team just seemed so together at the moment and um, the fact that they were singing we used to love Borderless but now we've got Kike or, or similar to that um, was just fantastic but no and the team respond and I've, I've always said that 
when I've been to the Coliseum on my visits there, um, there's a real one and the real togetherness with the club and, and the, the players and the fans. And that that was the biggest struggle with lockdown of when there was no fans in any of the grounds. But I think with Getafe, it hit them a little bit harder. Um, so, yeah, yesterday beating Real Madrid, unbelievable. Um, we've been on such a good run and to get an early goal, which was crucial. Um, and it kind of played out. I think Real had something like 70, 75% possession after that. Um, threatened a couple of times. Soraya made a couple of really good saves. I mean, he's a, he's a great shot stopper anyway. Um, not so good with the crosses, but um, on shot, shot <laughs> stopping, he's really, really good. And um, I just thought Mitrovic was outstanding at the back. Oliveira had a great game. Um, and towards the end, um, you know, I should be happy with 1-0, but I actually thought towards the end we might have nicked a second, actually. Um, so, yeah, really, really delightful performance. Yeah, certainly there was a stage towards the end there where they were playing it about quite nicely and they sort of opened up the pitch pretty well. I, I have to say, yeah, as much as Real Madrid's had a lot of the ball and, and they pressed mm. a lot, Hitafe were very solid. There was very few key yeah. opportunities for them, for Real Madrid at least. And just kind of going to the, to the man behind all of this, obviously the architect. We were talking before and we were saying that although Kike Sanchez-Flores is a solid appointment, he's mm. perhaps he wasn't the most inspiring, but he does seem to have really inspired Tatafe and given them a bit of their identity back, so to speak. Yeah, no, he absolutely does. And um, I think he's just... He's somehow managed to win the supporters over because I think there was a lot of concern with um, some of the supporters when he was, at, was when he was appointed, including myself, as you know. Um, but he's got this togetherness and uh, six games unbeaten now. Um, and I think one goal conceded in those six games, which is just, he's made us hard to beat, but we're also playing with a little bit more style. Um, settled midfield as well. I think he's had the same three in midfield, Arambari, Maximovic and Alenia for the last six games. Um, so, yeah, I think that really has helped the side. And um, tactically, I just think he's somehow just got it spot on, really. Um, and actually, you know, Alaves, I think we should have probably won that game when we drew 1-1. So, you know, the the recent form, um, I think it's 12 points from 18, has just been incredible, really. And um, obviously massively delighted, but um, also really pleased that we're doing it with a bit of style as well. Yeah, they've been right up there in the form charts, um, I think. It was before this match day, but they were sixth since Kike Sanchez Flores had, had come in for points. Mm. Now, so we're, we're, I'm going to eat my words a little bit because I've been critical of him in the past uh, and maybe not seen the light. He's a player who's he, he's been around a bit. He obviously started off well. He signed for the Manchester City Academy, then went through Villarreal, via the Leeds, various other sort of loan um, lo- loan spells, but. Enesunao has really kind of come into his own at Hatafe recently. <laughs> he he looks like he's got an aggression that's really benefiting him to me. Yeah, he absolutely does, and I think that's you and me both that are eating our words because um, <laughs> you know I think I've been I've been critical on this podcast before about him and about our attack in general. Um, but he's I think six goals for the season now. Um, he's definitely a confidence player, and and he's flying at the moment, and I think that's. Partly down to Kike Sanchez probably getting the best out of him and, and, and playing along in a two. And I think that makes a big difference with him. He's that type of player. Sandro and him have linked really well. I've been very impressed. Um, and I think that wonder goal he scored um, 
earlier on, I think against Espanyol, where it was just, that's just obviously really kicked on his confidence. And he took the goal, even the chance yesterday. It wasn't the easiest of chances. You know, he took it really well um, against the top keeper as well. So, yeah, um, I, I'm delighted with him and, and the movement and everything. It's just been, it's been fantastic to watch and hopefully it'll continue now. <laughs> yeah, long, long may it last. And uh, yeah, Absolutely. long may... Long may the Kike Sanchez Flores reign um, last and continue on in this manner. But I will thank you very much for your time, Dom. And I will pass no, it, no worries. I'll pass it back to Matt. Indeed, thanks for that, guys. A magnificent effort from Kike Sanchez Flores. Tafe are flying. Well, Rory, Real Madrid then have lost. Um, they only lost two league games in the whole of 2021. And in the very first game of 2022, they've returned to suffer defeat again. Carlo Ancelotti said they were still on holiday. Was that the impression you got? And um, with Sevilla winning at Cadiz, grinding out 1-0, is the title race on? Yes, it is. I still think Real Madrid are strong favourites because I think if you... Just to touch on that Sevilla game, first of all, they, they beat Cadiz 1-0 with a goal from Lucas Campos, but as tends to be the case with Sevilla, it wasn't a thrilling affair and they, they certainly sort of didn't bowl anyone over with their performance, but they ground it out, they were gritty and they got the job done. If they can move beyond that and move into a sort of a more fluid, uh, not necessarily style of play, but a more f- fluid attacking uh, flair so to speak if they, if they can find a bit more flair because Lucas Ocampos is, is, is playing better but he's not um, just to have him kind of solely leading the front line is, is a problem for me but there is a title race again I still make Real Madrid strong favourites on their from their kind of perspective yeah I do think they were still on holiday in some ways there were imprecisions uh, present in their game especially obviously on the Militao goal where Ennis now robs him very sloppy from Militao who's been uh, astronomically good for them in recent weeks so yeah they, they, were, they were still on holiday but you do wonder I mean we, we've talked about it these Ancelotti teams in the league do tend to drop off a bit in the second half of the season mm, you, yeah. and I think for me it's the one thing that this highlighted more than ever is is how different how much of a difference that Vinicius makes to this side because that that um that fact of having sort of two very sharp prongs that have to be fought about opens up so much more space whereas you saw this with Benzema this week where he he was getting on the ball he was trying his best he was trying to link with Hazard but he had to move it on so quickly because there was so little space I mean Hatafe did well to close it but Vinicius wasn't there to attract attention away from him and I think if you take that out then you get a completely different Real Madrid side and one much more akin to the one that we saw last season. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Kike said before the game that without having, you know, without Vinicius, it does condition the game. And of course, for all the names that Real Madrid have up front, the likes of Bale, Hazard, Asensio, it really is just a kind of two-man attack this season. And, and you take one of those out, they do look a lot, uh, a lot blunter, as, as you rightly point out. So yes, the gap now is five points between first and second in La Liga. But of course, Sevilla have the game in hand and they still have to play the, uh, the direct duel. So, as they say in Spain, Sevilla depend on themselves to be league <laughs> champions. And to be able to say that on the 3rd of January is, uh, is quite impressive um, because they've had a lot of injuries themselves. So, uh, impressive stuff from Lopetegui's men in the league at least. Of course, the European 
football is still there in the Europa League, they'll be eyeing up that final in the Sanchez Pico one. Looking at the bottom of the table then, um, going from top to bottom, Hitafe were obviously the big winners this weekend, but there was also plenty of other games which piqued our interest. We had a, a goalless draw between Elche and Granada. It was a very feisty affair. Elche feeling very much um, uh, unjust, the result. They, they felt they should have had a goal. It was disallowed. Uh, Francisco was sent off half-time. The fans were fuming. And Granada will be disappointed not to win the game having played against, uh, against 10 men for the second half because, of course, uh, Elche were down to 10 just inside the second half. Also, we had uh, Alaves 1, Real Sociedad 1. Jose Luis Mendelibar back in La Liga. Uh, I'm sure we all love to see that. He took over from Javi Calleja, as you will have seen over Christmas. Alaves pretty much on Christmas Eve, making it known they were going to sack him. Very festive <laughs> of them. Uh, Mendelibar was going to come in, but they were going to wait until New Year because that would mean they have to save money on it. But of course, they came to an agreement in the end and Mendelibar was able to have a week of training. Um, and yeah, it, a 1-1 draw. Hosselu penalty. Something's never changed for Alaves. It's still, still Hosselu, isn't it? But... Um, Equally at the bottom, we also had uh, that uh, Mallorca game against Barca, which we will look at in part two. And of course, we've also had uh, Cadiz losing to Sevilla on Monday night. Um, and of course, as you will have seen on our Twitter feed on Monday, Levante getting absolutely thrashed in the derby with Villarreal. Uh, Rory, some, some dramatic scenes at the end of this one. Uh, fans confronting the team and Paco Pollitt sending us those exclusive uh, images and footage. How do you assess the race at the bottom? Are Levante done and who who's in danger of slipping into that, that mire? You never want to say never because you could see, I, I mean, they might change manager again and you never know, you might get a Paco Lopez come in and completely reinvigorate the side and that make, might make all the difference. But Levante... As far as the teams that we can see, I, I don't think they're the least talented. There is still talent in that squad. They can still score goals, but the way in which they're conceding the goals and the sloppiness within their play, the lack of reaction when they or focus when they when they concede, it, it really doesn't bode well for me. I think they are the favourites to go down now. Alongside them, I think, are Gadith, who... Yeah, I mean, Cadiz, I don't think they're vastly different to last season, but they are missing a lot of goals. Their, their threats on the counter-attack is significantly reduced, in my mind, to what it was previously. At the moment, it amounts more or less to Pacha Espino, and if he's fit, Chocolatano. Whereas beforehand, I think they were a lot more rounded. Salvi Sanchez, Alex Fernandez, Alvaro Logredo made much bigger contributions last season. And if they're not as solid in defence and they carry very little threat going forward, well, yeah, I think for me, those are the two that look most likely. But it's a long season. I think the great thing about this season has has been just how unpredictable. We've, we've seen it Villarreal, six points off relegation a couple of months ago, and uh, look where they are now. The form side in La Liga, four wins on the bounce. Absolutely well. Um... The relegation battle, as we say, is, is kind of nothing major changed this week apart from that Hitafe win to really kind of pull themselves a little bit clear. But still, the gap is only two points, so it can all change in the space of a week or so. Um, one thing to perhaps mention is, is Osasuna, though. They started so well, but they are getting dragged into this into this now. They're, they're now below Granada, only on 22 points. Um, still six points clear of the dotted line. 
but their form has to be a concern, doesn't it? Yeah, we mentioned it just before the new year. They were in danger of getting into that sort of dynamic, which is going to require another great run from Yago Barasate's side. You did, yeah, I remember. And yeah, I, I wonder if if Arasate, regardless of what happens for the rest of the season, is perhaps in danger of losing his job in the summer now. Because seeing this run again, I mean, it's not quite the same. Was it ten games they were on beat? Uh, they've gone without a win now. Ten games now, yeah. Ten yeah. games, yeah. So seeing that kind of drop off in form for a second season in a row, it's it. You, you can't afford to have those drop-offs because you will get caught one of these seasons and it may just be that there's three teams worse than them but if, if you can't allow that a third of the, a fourth of the season almost to go by without a win and I think they'll probably be okay this season because I do think Garif, Levante, Eltre, Alaves there are other teams that look more likely to go down and they do have better quality than those sides especially at the back Unai Garcia, David Garcia two of the best in the league at the moment but, yeah, you cannot allow these runs to keep happening. Okay, let me put you on the, on the spot. Halfway point in the season, 19 games played, the three teams to go down. Who is it for you? Uh, with apologies to their fans and uh, with humble pie in the oven, ready for me to eat it, Caddy, <laughs> Levante and I think Alaves are all going down this season. So the current bottom three staying as it is. Pretty much. Okay. I didn't even uh, consider that, but yeah, pretty much. Thanks very much, Rory. We'll, uh, we'll come back to that in a few months and everyone can laugh at us both, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll do for part one. Um, in part two, though, we've got a, a really exhilarating European race to get stuck into, including a resurgent Villarreal, uh, an optimistic Barca, and, uh, and plenty more besides. Stay tuned. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Liga Lowdown, our recap of match day 19, the halfway point in the season. And uh, now we're going to focus entirely on the European race. And my oh my, it really tightened up this weekend. Uh, Real Betis, they lost. Um, Rayo Vallecano, they lost. They were third and fourth going into the match day. Valencia had the chance to go fourth in the final game of 2021. And they were 1-0 up against Espanyol. But uh, a great cameo from Joffrey Carreras turned that game round for Espanyol for their first away win of the season. So that's that kept Valencia down. But then, of course, we had Barca winning, Atleti winning, Villarreal with their fantastic 5-0 win over Levante. And Real Sociedad's draw means that from third Real Betis to 10th Athletic, there is only six points separating those teams. That is very tight. And we've got some really big clubs in amongst that race. So we're going to get stuck right into that, starting in Mallorca, where Roman tells us about optimism with Barcelona after a draw with Sevilla and then this win in Mallorca with 16 absentees. We'll start by hearing from the unlikely match winner, Luke de Jong, who is speaking to Jamie Easton from La Liga TV. Yeah, I felt good. Uh, what I said, you know, it hasn't been easy for me either. And, and I just try to be ready whenever the coach needs me. And, and, and I think that's what you saw today. Uh, I had some opportunities, one at the post, one at the crossbar, the bicycle kick. Unfortunately, they went in. But And then uh, you always have to be ready for the next ball. And uh, yeah, luckily I could score the, the one zero and we could uh, keep manage to, to keep the zero and then yeah, win this game. It's true. Uh, we have to be honest with everyone listening to us that uh, Barcelona fans get easily optimistic with any good game so when a few good things start happening like a nice signing or uh, a couple of good games then optimism immediately rises and you can already tell I've been like checking out uh, online lots of stuff related to Barca a lot of shows a lot of people I've been talking to and you can feel they're already quite optimistic uh, thinking that Xavi's doing a good job now Laporta isn't improvising so much he still is but not so much as before so things seem to be getting better and to be fair on the field Barca have have improved I mean at the beginning with Xavi the first few games you saw a few things and then suddenly uh, he, he lost a few draw a few it wasn't like going as well but now against Sevilla against a very competitive team I think Barca did uh, have a very good game. They had they made merits, I think, to even maybe uh, get the three points at certain stages. Unfortunately, against ten men, they did struggle a bit with Sevilla closed down more, and they were lacking maybe that creativity. And maybe that nine, number nine, they're looking for to finish off those chances uh, in attack. And against Mallorca, the fact is that you said that so many players were missing, but the example. Uh, or uh, the example of that Xavi is doing a good job is precisely that game because with so many players missing the team was still playing as a team you know so it doesn't depend so much on individual 
players like before with Messi or when you have another superstar, but it depends more on how the team is, is focused on the pitch, how they're organized, how they go forward, and that was the great example because with Kuman, if all these players would have been missing, I think it would have been probably a defeat for Barcelona because they, there wasn't really a system work, working, you know, as a whole, as a unit. Whereas with Xavi, that's something that's beginning to to being implemented and we're seeing it on the field. So I think uh, it makes sense for people to be optimistic. Of course, it's just two games. Uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. There's still that uh, Real Madrid game in the Supercopa soon, which will definitely also help to see which uh, direction we're heading. But uh, I can understand why there's optimism and I think it's fair to have a little bit. But as I said, careful, let's not uh, go too far ahead. Yeah, let, let's be cautious. I do think I have to say you can sort of see a very, very much a togetherness about the team that maybe perhaps wasn't there. You saw at the end of that match, uh, Piquet congratulating Ter Stegen, getting yeah. up, grabbing his throat um, quite violently. But I think it was quite, it was great. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said it. Um, so we kind of saw a togetherness about this Barcelona side that for me wasn't there beforehand. In terms of kind of off the pitch and arrivals, we've obviously... There's been a lot of news about Ousmane Dembélé, who seems to not be renewing his contracts now. Mm -hmm. Ferran Torres has come in. I want to get your thoughts on both of those kind of situations. Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, I am surprised at first that Xavi wanted Ferran Torres because, I mean, in their right wing you had Dembélé and, and Xavi has consistently said he wants Dembélé to continue. As a matter of fact, even after signing uh, Ferran Torres, he said in the other day in the press conference before uh, the game they, they're going to play in the midweek or sorry, the weekend, uh, that he wants Dembélé and he's still hopeful he's going to stay. He thinks th uh, there might be an agreement because Dembélé has told him he wants to continue. So, I mean, you have two quality right-wingers and, and, and Ferran Torres in his presentation, he said his preferred position was the right wing, that he would play wherever Xavi would tell him, of course, but, you know, he already was, like, letting him know that uh, his position, his favorite place is, is that right wing where Dembele also uh, fits, of course. So, I mean, it's surprising that that was the profile uh, Xavi wanted, not a number nine, although now Alvaro Morata is coming uh, into action. He could very likely be a Barcelona player in the upcoming weeks. Uh, but I guess Ferran Torres can also fit in many positions. He is a player capable of playing as a false nine, maybe a bit behind uh, as an attacking midfielder. So that allows Xavi, I guess, to, to move around. But in the long term, I do think Ferran Torres is a very good signing. And also Dembélé, in the end, personally, um, I wouldn't mind if he left because we've given him four years of an extremely high salary. We've been paying him despite missing more games than actually playing games for the uh, for Barca with Barcelona's shirt on and I mean he hasn't really treated us too well in these negotiations trying to earn more money and I can understand if Barca is spending money that he thinks the club has and he wants more but at the same time you have to kind of be uh, I don't know somehow grateful for what Barca has done for you uh, they've held on to you and they still want to renew you keep you in the team uh, they've given you opportunities but he's never really shown that quality I mean he has shown certain glimpses of it but he's never been a consistently good player in that right wing and personally he's a guy that stresses me out a lot because he takes a lot of bad decisions he might have a, an incredible play will score a wonderful goal or, or assist or whatever but then he'll have three or four passes which are just like oh you know get you annoyed because there was an easy pass over there or there was an easy shot over here so I mean personally it is a lot of money we would lose because you said a hundred and something million I can't remember right now we paid for him uh, but in the end um, that's a thing of the past I mean we messed up Coutinho is going to be a very similar example where we're going to lose all those millions we paid for him in the end and I think one last thing to point out is that 
it's not so much a matter of money that Barca has, but in terms of salaries that La Liga uh, puts really strict limits and that's why um, Barca is capable of bringing in players, but then is struggling with uh, making those salaries actually fit properly so players can, can come into the club. So that's why there's a bit of a uh, chess puzzle, we could say, there they have to try and fix. Certainly he's a topic that divides opinion amongst coulés and, and outwards. I, I think for, for me, one thing I should point out is I think Dembélé, I can understand why he wants a big contract. I mean, he's finishing his contract. He's essentially a free agent as of now. But he isn't quite the prospect that he was four or five years ago. He, he, to be demanding the same money is, um, I, I think it's unlikely that he'll get that elsewhere, even being a free agent, even in the Premier League. Just sort of a short but sweet one to finish up. I want you to give me a grade for Xavi since he's come in. Give me your opinion on his tenure so far. I mean, it's a bit soon to, to grade him because, I mean, he's done good things and he hasn't really had much time to, to do too much overall but maybe I guess a 7 would be a reasonable score because I mean the team isn't winning uh, with him now every single game but of course nobody expected that so I mean there's a lot of margin of improvement but I think a 7 is a fair I think uh, score because uh, taking into account how he's cohesed that team you know they're more united than before you can really tell not just playing football but also uh, when they're in the training ground they seem happier you know they seem more excited and, and the team is, is looking better so I think a seven is a fair score for now, but I think there's there's a lot of uh, room for improvement for sure. So a massive three points for Barca, and that puts them just one point off the top four. Uh, impressive stuff starting to form under Xavi. It was also a good weekend for Atleti. They ended their run of four defeats in a row with a win over Rayo. And, uh, and Celta as well, winning at the Benito Villamarín. Uh, Rory, what, which performance impressed you most? Who, who looked the best this weekend? Certainly Celta. For me, in terms of doing something, again, we referenced unexpected earlier in the show, in terms of doing something that you didn't quite see coming and really um, pulling out a result from nowhere, I think Celta... I mean, they're always likely to be good on some some level going forward because they have Iago Aspas, because they have Denis Suarez, Santi Mina. They they have a lot of talent going forward. Bryce Mendes is another one. But the sort of stout solidity that they showed in this game against a Betis side that I don't think even played badly. They were missing Nabil Fekir from the start. That has to be said. That should be pointed out. But they there were certainly stages, especially in the first half, where they were coming at Celta wave after wave proper dominating the play and Celta withstood it and and credit has to go to Celta for doing that especially when they tend to only play with really Fran Beltran as the holding player but he's been excellent in the absence of Renato Tapia and then Carlos Dominguez 20 year old defender absolutely solid Joseph Aidu playing out of position at right back was impregnable um, this weekend and it was really something that I've not seen that kind of defensive organisation and, and fighting for each other, when at times they were really banked in, in sort of two lines of four back there. That's not something I've seen from Celta in a long time. So yeah, in terms of most impressive, definitely Chacho Carlet. Absolutely, I, I have to agree. And, and the amazing thing for me is that they've kept seven clean sheets this season, six of them have been on the road. And like you say, that is not something you'd associate with them at all. Um, so yeah, good on them. Yago Aspas continues to just be phenomenal. 
uh, seven seasons in a row now he scored 10 or more goals in La Liga just uh, a sublime performance um, and yeah speaking of, of you know sublime performances we've got Angel Correa did really well with two goals for Atleti uh, again missing Griezmann missing plenty of players themselves but they got back to winning ways they're up to, th uh, to fourth um, it, it, it's, I don't want to say it's going to be the same top four as last season but just get the feeling that it might be after this weekend, don't you? I, I actually don't know. I think it could get really, really tight in there. I mean, Rayo, as much as we'd all love them to make Champions League, I think we all accept that a drop-off is somewhat inevitable or at least very probable. Betis, I think, yeah, OK, they're not going to continue on the same form that they were, but they could stick in and around there. And I think Villarreal coming up from behind and challenging Atleti and Barca, which instead of Sevilla is, is not what I would have had at the start of the season but those three especially and perhaps Betis if they can maintain it I think it could be a really really tight race I'm not counting any chickens here I think although Atleti did manage to win and they were comfortable enough and I want to praise Cholo for for going with four at the back and being brave and uh, getting out of his comfort zone but I, yeah I don't I'm not I'm still not convinced about Atleti I think they they will regress to the mean to an extent but I'm still not sold on their season yet i've not seen signs that they're really gonna sort of turn into a, a, a behemoth that we can we can see sort of romping through the league and i just want to shout out i know you referenced korea there i want to shout out yannick carrasco who for me is atleti's best player um at least this season he the small touch where he sort of he sort of retrieves the ball from behind him um, to keep the ball in the play for Correa's first goal is absolutely magic and that is the sort of thing that's been making a difference for Atleti this season and it's usually coming from Carrasco. Mm, a fine player indeed and, and few would have thought that when they kind of scoffed when he returned from China to think that he'd still be performing at, at these kind of levels uh, once again. Um, Sociedad, they, they, they're now six games without a win in the league. They huffed and puffed and struggled at, at Mendy Thorotha Again, they, they thought they should have had a penalty and they actually published that on their Twitter feed to say, you know, kind of ironically, you know, this, this was not, not a penalty, not a red card and it's not a good look, is it? Uh, yikes, yeah, it's not. I think you, if you feel very passionately about it and you see this on your own club's timeline, you probably don't have an issue with it. But I think anyone else who sees it probably looks at that and, and sneers because it's... I mean, every team, and I don't want to get into a debate about referees and who's favoured and who's not. I, I understand that probably the big two walk away with more decisions and then Atleti after that. But every team suffers decisions against them. And who wants to really get into a mudslinging war on Twitter? I, for one, don't have time for it. Oh, yeah, I agree. And and it's just so out of character from us. I think that who normally do things so well and... Have been so likable for neutrals. I think you McTeer tweeted something along those lines. Yes, yeah, um, not great to see that, but uh, but they're still there in the in the mix for perhaps Europa League places or, or the Conference League. Um, but also in that bracket, I suppose we have to include Espanyol with their two-one win at Valencia and Athletic, who have suddenly found a goal scorer. Yes, <laughs> well, well, we'll come on to him a little bit later, but. I want to, I mean, Oyan Sunset is who you're referencing for Athletic. He scored a hat-trick, um, phenomenal performance. What I want to highlight here is two of those goals involving Yaki Williams playing the penultimate pass and the assist for one of his goals 
from the right hand side where he should be playing instead of being on the end of it and admittedly I wasn't sure that Orian Sunset was or I, I didn't expect him to be the person that should have been on the end of them but Inyaki Williams is better when he's getting to the byline or delivering passes through the defence instead of shooting that's my takeaway from that this is the hill you're going to die on absolutely isn't it it's uh, I, absolutely it's not the first I, I time be... it might be the last Bloodied and massacred before I dropped this issue. <laughs> oh, fantastic stuff. Athletic then winning, and uh, that, that's two wins in three, and they put up a good fight against Real Madrid, so encouraging signs for them. Of course, they have the Supercopa to play uh, in a couple of weeks, so that'll, that'll be interesting, which is, of course, what they won last season. So then I think that's wrapped up all the, all the matches. Um, we've got another round coming next weekend of course but we have Copa del Rey matches this midweek so stay tuned to our Twitter feed for all of that we'll also have an interesting article from Louis Scattergood on the transfer window and what every club needs this time we've got fan contributors from all 20 La Liga clubs with their uh, their insight and analysis into what their club might do this window and what they would do if they were in charge so stay tuned for that so now it's time for MVP uh, again, plenty of goal scorers around and some impressive performances, not least from Getafe and Celta. You've mentioned quite a few of those individuals already, but uh, who's, your, who's your first pick? First pick, Iago Aspas. You mentioned his kind of record of scoring double figures, seven seasons in a row. But, I, I mean, one of his goals was a penalty, and so, yeah, um, very well done for him to score in that. But that second goal, he absolutely sits down two defenders and he pounces on an error it, it's sharp from Iago Aspas but then the the composure to to sit down the defender then the keeper and waltz off it, it was that kind of swagger that you love to see from an attacker and you love to see somebody really stamp their authority on a game and and yeah you just have to have to give out for Iago Aspas because we we did worry we were concerned I think all of Spanish football was clutching its pearls that this might be Iago's kind of decline but he is back and, and fully in form right now yeah he's good and he knows he's good isn't he um, yeah well I think <laughs> speaking of taking advantage of an error I'm going to have to go with Enism now because he was so sharp to take advantage of that Militao error and uh, and we've heard from Dom all about all about his, his appreciation there but um, yeah just a quick note you know he was he was everything in this game he was working hard he was leading the line. He was combining with Sandro. He was giving Hetafe a real threat on the break. And again, this this is kind of new for Enzo now. He's he's often struggled and you know been the butt of a few jokes at times in his in his other spells at other clubs. But he seems to have really settled, especially under Kike. Um, I think he scored something like six out of the ten goals uh, in La Liga under Kike. So uh, that's a good return. Um, a bit like Hosilu with Alaves. Uh, he's very <laughs> important to their to their goal scoring output. Um, so long may that continue. Um, so I'm going to have to go for him for one of the MVP spots. Uh, who's your second pick? My second pick is going to the man I just mentioned, Oyan Sanset, who, yeah, phenomenal. A hat-trick. I I was on um, the Scouted Football podcast with Joe Donahue not too long ago, and I was talking about Oyan Sanset and how he he's one of the few players in that athletic squad who has a final pass and has composure. He's really good at sort of receiving the ball in spaces. What I did say as well was that Raul Garcia and him are different players and Raul Garcia is more in the box. He's going to get on the end of things. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to eat my words because today he was, uh, as I tweeted out, he's Raul Garcia on steroids. He 
That's a scary thought. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, that's what I was thinking um, after after that. But Sunset, we have sensational getting on the end of of the ball, and as much as I admire his movement, sort of getting into space, finding space to to be able to play those passes that we're kind of more used to seeing him. His movement was fantastic for these goals, and the, all of the finishes were one touch as well, real strikers' goals. So yeah, hats off to Sunset, who was fantastic and ultimately the match winner for Athletic. Absolutely. Four goals in, in two games. Just sensational form. Uh, speaking of sensational form, we can't, uh, we can't let Villarreal USA bully us, but <laughs> <laughs> Gerard Moreno, again, he has to be there. Uh, magnificent performance. Okay, you can say it's only Levante, but still, he was. there was a fantastic um, uh, quote on Twitter. I think it's Alberto Awano. A piranha in a goldfish bowl. Uh, that's how he described Gerard Moreno, and I think that was just perfect. Uh, the way, the confidence he has to just know exactly what he's going to do with the ball, whether it's to play the pass, to link the play, or just to find the finish, he just gets it right pretty much every time. And that's seven goals now in his last four games, uh, three braces in a row. It, it's just remarkable because he provides goals as well uh, as scoring them. And he's, you know, VRL's upturn does coincide with his return from injury. Um, there's no getting away from that. And if he can keep fit for the rest of the season, they will have a, a successful second half of the season. I have no doubt about that. And I'll also make a pretty bold statement, which you probably say, well, fair enough, but he will definitely be the top Spanish scorer in the league this season. I have no doubt. I know it's RDT, Osilu, Aspas, they're up there now. Juanmi, of course. But uh, no, for me, Gerard Moreno will get that. So it's... you heard it, you heard it here first. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, Talisman, he's asked past like in how talismanic he is to that side, and yeah, few players in the league as important to to any side as Jared Moreno is to be real. Totally agree there. Awesome. Right then, it's it's time for moments of the weekend, and uh, I'll let you have the last word, Rory. But, but for me, I'm sure you'll probably like this one too. The test egg and save on Jaime Costa. Oh my word. Um, <laughs> He hasn't had his best season, let's be honest. He's been quite poor in, in quite a number of matches. Um, Barca conceding goals far too frequently for their liking, for their fans' liking, for Xavi's liking. But um, on this occasion, as you say, it was they were up against it. They, they wanted the game postponed. They had many, many casualties, so many players from the B team. I think they've used 33 different players now in the league, which is absolutely remarkable. But uh, Ter Stegen is one that they absolutely have to rely on. And uh, the save, it's incredible. It's, it's a reaction, I must say. It's a reaction, but it's its such a strong arm. I mean, that ball is hit powerfully and he just gets up and the arm is just like, you shall not pass. And the reaction, my moment is the reaction because him and Piquet, it was like the kind of the two, two old kind of stages of the team. I've seen the kids play well, grind out a result and you just needed that moment from the experience to just get them over the line. And Piquet kind of gives him a massive hug Gets him in a kind of strangle, which is which was an interesting photo, but I think it it symbolises so much because you know you've got adversity that come through the kind of gritted teeth element of it, and yeah, just you know the experienced guy standing up and and literally taking this by the throat and saying no, we're gonna we're gonna do this. So um, that was mine, <laughs> but uh, I think yours will touch the heartstrings of probably more fans. Yeah, my, mine was um, warm, fuzzy feels from that moment as well after the initial reaction. Um, speaking of warm and fuzzy, uh, Falcao returned to the Wanda Metropolitano this 
this weekend and he got a hell of a reception from the Atleti support and and from Los Colchoneros and uh, yeah it's it is nice to see I think there's certain unique players in in the world in world football who can go to different grounds and still kind of receive that love um, I mean going back to sort of another Barca player Iniesta used to get applauded wherever he went and that was because of the World Cup final goal Joaquin, yeah, those players who who retain that kind of special special place in the supporters' hearts, I, I think it's it's unique, rare, and we should cherish both those players in those moments. Very fine words to end this first podcast of 2022. So, uh, yeah, thanks for that, Rory, and thank you for your company. Thank you to Dom and to Roman for their insight on this match day. Um, it's been a dramatic one. They all are. It's the best league in the world, in our opinion. We have, we have a title race, it's competitive, it's, it's competitive all the way down the league, which is not something you can say about other leagues. So uh, we're loving it, we hope you are too. Thank you again for listening. Um, have a good week, stay tuned, La Liga Low Down on Twitter. Thanks again, have a good week, goodbye. Retira del terreno de juego con el dorsal número 6, Santi, y entra con el dorsal número 3, Radamel Falcao.